Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. As the Archbishop and Primate of the Anglican Church in North America, it is a true joy to be back here at Truro and to be able to open God's Word with you this morning. Before I do, though, I'd like to say thank you. Uh, first, thank you for your prayers uh, for me and for my wife, Allison, as we continue to serve you as, as the Archbishop of the province. Um, your prayers make all the difference, and I cannot say thank you enough. Secondly, I want to thank you for your faithful witness. Uh, Truro Church is known throughout the province as a gospel-centered and a light-filled church, and I just want to thank you for your faithful witness uh, to so many around. And then, Jamie, I want to say thank you for your invitation uh, to preach and to open God's Word this morning. Truro is part of a diocese, the Diocese of the Mid-Atlantic, and the Mid-Atlantic Diocese is part of a province, the Anglican Church in North America. And the Anglican Church in North America, through GAFCON, called the Global Anglican Future Conference, and the Global South Fellowship of Anglicans, is in full communion with over 60 million Anglicans around the world. And then we Anglicans are part of the worldwide body of Jesus Christ, the Church of the Living God. And I want to say to you, we hear so many negative things in the news or whatever about the church, but the church is growing around the world. God is doing amazing things in places that you would not believe. People are coming to faith. People are hearing the gospel. Unreached people groups are being reached. And even right here, your witness here, God is using it in an incredible way. And so I just want to say, God is on the move. And uh, just don't listen to that negative news out there. He is touching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So with that, let's have a prayer as we open God's word. Father, you are good to us, and we're so grateful for the privilege of being able to worship like this. And as we come this morning, I ask you to pour out your spirit upon your word. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you want us to hear this day. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text this morning continues your study in the Gospel of John, and we're going to begin with John chapter 1, verse 35. So if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to open with me. Um, if you don't, I believe there's one in the pew rack, and it's John chapter 1, verse 35. The Apostle John has written this Gospel to convince his leaders to believe in Jesus Christ. Throughout the whole Gospel, you will find the word believe over and over again. For example, in John chapter 1, verse 12, to those who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Or John 5, 24, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He's passed from death to life. He does not come into judgment. And in John eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Again and again, we hear John emphasizing the importance of faith, the importance of belief. John is attempting to present Jesus as the one in whom to believe. We've already seen in these first few verses of John what these different aspects of who Jesus is. For example, in John 1, 1, we see that he's the Word. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And then you go down to verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, speaking of Jesus. He's presented as the light. John chapter 1, verse 9. The true light which enlightens every man was coming into the world. He's presented as the Son of God. John chapter 1, verse 18. No one has ever seen God, the only Son of God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known, speaking of Jesus. He's presented as the Lamb of God in John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And here in our text today, John presents Jesus as the Messiah. So let's examine this passage together and see what we might learn. Verse 35. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples. So the next day, that's the third in a sequence. He's going day by day. And then the John here is John the Baptist. It's often easy to confuse with the Apostle John who wrote the gospel. Here he's speaking of John the Baptist. And he says two of his disciples. Well, we know that Andrew was one of them. And many speculate that the Apostle John, who actually wrote the gospel, was the other one. Verse 36. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. John the Baptist repeats what he was saying the day before when he said that Jesus is the Lamb of God. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he said. Now, the Hebrew people were very familiar with sacrificial lambs. At Passover, each family had to have a lamb. During the rest of the year, two lambs were sacrificed on the altar of the temple. And of course, other lambs were used for personal sacrifices as the, fulfilling the sacrificial laws of the Old Testament, what they required. So for John to proclaim, here is the Lamb of God, has all kind of connotations for his audience. Warren Risby, in one of his books, writes this. He says, those lambs were brought by men to men. But here God's lamb is given by God to men. Those lambs could not take away sin, but the lamb of God can take away sin. Those lambs were for Israel alone, but this lamb shed his blood for the whole world. Verse 37. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. Well, you can get the picture here. Jesus walks by. John says he's the Lamb of God. And the two disciples start following, and he notices that they're following, and he says to them, what are you seeking? What do you want? What, what, what are you looking for? And they answer, where are you staying? As some speculize, speculize that they were sensing that, that he was busy, and, and basically it was saying, if, if you're busy now, we can come back later. Where, you know, where are you staying? But he says, in other words, he says, come, and you will see. Come, and you will see. And they did, and they stayed with him. We're told it was the 10th hour. Uh, that's about four in the afternoon, so it was late in the day. Verse 40. One of the two, 
who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. So Andrew begins to follow Jesus. And he's convinced that Jesus is the long-awaited Jewish Messiah. Now, Messiah literally meant anointed one. In Greek, it translates Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's his title. You know, Jesus Christ, it means Jesus the anointed one, Jesus the Messiah. The Jewish people of the first century were looking for the Messiah. Messiah watch was in the air. But their dreams of a Messiah was a more of a conquering, a military, a kingly Messiah, one who'd rescue them from the Romans. In the Old Testament, kings were anointed, and they operated under an unction from God. The anointed one has all their hopes as the one who's going to free them and, and lead them away from the tyranny of the Romans. Save them from that, the brutality that they were under. Save them from the oppression that they were feeling. Usher in a new kingdom. Of course, they didn't focus on the other Old Testament scriptures, which spoke of a suffering Messiah, one who conquers sin, one who would usher in a spiritual kingdom. So Andrew, he's convinced that Jesus is the Messiah. And he finds his brother Peter, or Simon, and tells him, that they found the Messiah. Verse 42. So he brought Simon to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, So you are Simon, son of John? You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. When Andrew brings Simon to Jesus, we're just simply told that he says, So, so you're Simon, son of John? You shall be called Cephas. Now, Jesus was speaking in Aramaic, so he calls him Cephas. In Greek, it means Peter. The word actually means rock. Hi, Simon. Your new name is Rock. One might argue that it took a lot of work on Jesus' part to transform the weak Simon into a rock. But he did it. So what might we take away from this passage this morning? I suggest four takeaways. First, the Apostle John is proclaiming that Jesus is Messiah. Not a military Messiah, but a sacrificial Messiah. One who is God's Lamb. One who died for the sins of the world, for your sin and for my sin. He's our Messiah as well. Second, Jesus asked his disciples, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? He could very well ask you that question this morning. What are you seeking? Why why are you here this morning? What do you want from God? What are you seeking? What what are your priorities in your life? What, What are you seeking? Third, come and you will see. What a great word to say to our friends about church. Come, and you will see. What do you teach about God? Well, come, and you'll see. What do you say about Jesus? Well, come, and you'll see. What do you all believe? Come, and you'll see. What do you, how do you all worship? Come, and you'll see. 
what is Anglican? Or in my part of the world, they say Angelican. What is that, Angelican? Well, come and you will see. You know, most people really feel strange about just showing up at church when they've never been there before. I mean, it'd be like seeing your neighbor down the streets having a party at their home, and you've never been to their home, and you've received an invitation to the party, so, so you arrive not knowing anybody. You open the front door, you walk into the foyer, and everything is strange to you. People are talking to each other. Some are dressed differently. You didn't realize there's a formal party. No one really notices you. Imagine the difference if, if you had met the host and she or he greeted you at the front door, not only welcoming you into their home, but then showing you around. We think unbelievers are, are just going to show up at our church. It will be very rare. And if they do, if we're not on the lookout, they'll feel very disoriented and out of place. Come and you will see implies some kind of personal contact. So who do you need to invite to come and see? Who do you need to invite? Fourth, Andrew believed Jesus was the Messiah and he brought his brother, Peter, to Jesus. Andrew believed and he couldn't hold it to himself. He had to share Jesus with his brother and with others. And I would argue that when God touches our lives and we get saved... And we get healed. We want to tell others about Him. Most of you have come to faith in Christ. Do you remember? You had to tell others. You had to tell someone. It's a natural product of coming to know Him. But sadly, as time goes on, we lose our fire. We become used to knowing Him. Used to having Him in our lives. We become used to having our prayers answered, whether that's a yes or a no or a wait. We become used to walking in the Spirit. And we forget what God has done in our lives, what He rescued us from, the joy and the peace and the love that we've found, the knowledge that our sins have been forgiven and the guilt gone, and the promise we have of eternal life. So we stop sharing our faith. We stop bringing people to Jesus. Who do you need to share your faith with? Who is it that you need to bring to Jesus? So four takeaways. Jesus is Messiah. What are you seeking? Come and you will see. And Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the hardwood of the cross that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us in your spirit that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you. For the honor of your name. Amen.